You're listening to the City Hope Church podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to talk about something that maybe uh, some of you moms don't get a lot of at home, and that is silence and solitude. And uh, especially if you're raising some young ones right now, maybe you haven't experienced some silence in quite a long time, and you just wish that you could. And uh, we're talking about that today, and honestly, we're going to talk about the importance of, of having uh, silence and solitude in our life. And I just got to ask you this question. Uh, I, we, we've been in this series, this is about the third week in our series. Has, has God been speaking to anyone through this series? Have you, have you learned something new? Yeah, I, it's been fantastic, I, I, just as I've told you every week. I'm more preaching to myself than anybody else in this room because I am a very fast, hurried-paced person, and, uh, and, and this, this message series has just really spoke to me, and, uh, and I recognize that I'm not the only person like that in this room, that there are people here that um, some of you, you're in here, and you are just so frustrated with life, and you just feel like uh, you're, you're just stuck. Like maybe you feel like, maybe you walked in here today and you just feel like your marriage is stuck or your kids are stuck or your career or just where, where maybe it's even your mental health. You feel like it's not going in the right direction. And what we've really identified is that the, the cause to a lot of that stress and anxiety that we face every day is this issue of busyness and this issue of hurry in our life. And we like to, we really like to point at the world and blame it on the world and say, hey, it's not my fault. It's just the world that we live in. It's a fast-paced society that we live in. But I think whenever we look in, internally, we can really find that it's, it's not just the world's problem. Yes, the world might have a problem with busyness, but I think even when we look inside ourselves, that we even have a bigger problem than the world does. In fact, I want to start with this big thought today. If you're taking notes, it's this, is that the greatest threat to your growth, it isn't an evil world. Instead, it's a distracted soul. You know that, everybody? That the greatest threat to, your, to, to the things in your life isn't the evil world around you. It's literally you being distracted from everything else. And can I tell you, we're distracted in so many different ways. In fact, Dallas Willard said it like this. He said, hurry is the great enemy of a spiritual life in our day. And so if, if you want to grow spiritually, what he's saying is don't include hurry. Don't, don't include this busy culture that if you're going to grow spiritually, you're going to have to take a step back and slow down. And can I tell you, your life depends on your soul being in tune with God. And your soul can't be in tune with God if you're living this fast-paced, hurried life where you don't even give him a chance. And so we've got to begin to give them a chance. In fact, I'd say it like this, that if, if, if you never develop a relationship with God, if you can never hear from God, then you will never be able to see how God sees, and you'll never be able to do what he wants you to do. And so you've got to be able to be in tune with God. And, and we already know, many of us, we already know what causes most of the distractions in our life. Many of us, we know what causes the busyness of, in our life. But I just want to remind you of two different things of what causes most of our distractions. In fact, I, I, I summed it up to two different things. I think two different things really cause a lot of our distraction. Number one, it's this. It's, it's the pursuit of productivity so that we can have more fill in the blank. Many of you are just so, you're, you're so concerned about this blank, and you fill in the blank. Like, you're so concerned about more money, 
or a bigger house or nicer things or more power or more influence or even just look a little bit better. Like, you're so in pursuit of that very thing that it has distracted you from God's will in your life. In fact, our life is, is kind of like a video that I saw this week. I saw this video. Um, in fact, I, I think they're going to play it on the screen behind me. I just kind of, I saw this on TikTok this week. I thought this was hilarious. Take a look at this. This girl is on the treadmill. And she's just holding on for dear life, everybody. Like, <laughs> I just thought that was kind of hilarious. I mean, y'all are like, wow. And Pastor Noah just thinks that's funny. That girl hurt herself, you know, like. I laughed at it and sad that you guys didn't, but I, you guys are just way more, you got the, the, the gift of caring and, you know, all that stuff. And I just laugh, you know, but I, tell, I, I show you that video because I feel like for most of us, that's our life, right? I mean, we're literally like when, when we fall, like we're, we're running and running and it's got it. We, we, we live this such fast paced life that when we finally trip and fall, we're still hanging on, you know, like, and it's hurting us even more just to hang on. Like it, the girl should have just let go. And it, I mean, she was going to have to embrace that pain before long, but I'm telling you, but some of us, we just hold on. And I mean, life just gives it to us. And, and we're just, we're holding on, we're holding on. And the moment we get off the treadmill and, and anytime, in fact, when, as soon as we get off the treadmill and anytime that we have any downtime, we go immediately to our devices, to our always-on technology, which I'll say is the second thing that causes most of our distractions. The, as soon as we finally get off of that treadmill, we're on social media, or we're streaming a new show that we like, or we, we've got shows to catch up on, right? We, I got a new season of Survivor that I haven't even watched yet, and so I got all this stuff to do. I got all these things to watch. I got shopping. Maybe for you, it's online shopping. You know, you just can't get off of Amazon, and uh, I, I tell you, I, we, we have all this, this technology that is constantly keeping us going and, and distracting us. In fact, uh, I, I saw a study from Microsoft. Microsoft said that 77% of adults today, the first thing that they do in their downtime is they pick up their phone. So 77% of you, as soon as you get bored, or as soon as you're sitting at a stoplight and have nothing else to do, I hope not, everybody, by the way, but y'all do it. I know you do. I see you. Uh, <laughs> I honk at you every once in a while, you know? Like, uh, but as soon as uh, maybe you're in line somewhere, I mean, the first thing that you do is you pick up your device, you pick up your phone, and, and you're, you're on your technology. And, you know, pretty much the, the only place, I was trying to think about the only place that I'm alone with my thoughts and the only place that I, I, I kind of thought about was being in the shower. Like in the shower is kind of the only place that I'm alone uh, with my thoughts. And honestly, it's just a matter of time before our devices are waterproof. And then I, I really do believe that's going to cause the apocalypse, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> I actually know some people who shower with their phone. And, I'm, and, and it's I, how, how they do it, I don't know. Anyway, but... We can't even be alone in our own thoughts these days. Like, we, we can't be alone by ourselves in our own thoughts. And it's caused this, 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 this anxiety and depression and all these things that we feel today. In fact, do you know that your most rare and valuable resource that you have today is your attention? Like, that's the rarest thing 
And by the way, can I just tell you, everyone is after your attention. Everyone. Every business, every marketing. I'm telling you, every business knows that they can't get your money until they have your attention. And so they have to get your attention first. And so, in fact, I was, I, I, I was reading a little bit about this. Do you know that your phone, when you buy your phone, like your phone doesn't actually work for you? It really actually works for, for other people. Like you pay for your phone, but most every app actually works for a multi-million dollar corporation to get your attention so that they can either sell you something or so they can sell your data to someone else. Like they're, they're after your attention. What's for sale is your attention and eventually your peace of mind. And so you say, well, Pastor Noah, then what do we do with that? What do we do with this world that's so busy and distracted? Well, I think we do what we've done every week in this series is we turn back and we look at the life of Jesus. And we see what is Jesus's model? Because Jesus was one of the greatest leaders here on this earth. And yet he was the most undistracted, unhurried person that has ever lived. In fact, I would say that Jesus accomplished so much more than uh, in, in his three years of ministry than most of us will ever accomplish in our lifetime. And so if Jesus can accomplish that and not be busy and not be hurried, then I think it's good to follow his examples. And so today I just want to bring you another rhythm of rest. That's why we called it this series, Rhythms of Rest. I want to bring you another rhythm of rest that I believe Jesus practiced. And to show you that, if you've got your Bibles here this morning, uh, I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 3. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 3, which is actually a story about Jesus' baptism. This is when Jesus first gets involved in his public ministry. The first thing he does is gets baptized by John the Baptist. And many of you, you know the story. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. And when he came up out of the water, there was literally a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I am well pleased, right? And so God says this. And in the very next line, look at what we read after he gets baptized. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 2, it says this. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him. I've always found this verse very interesting because the first thing Jesus does in his ministry is not minister to anyone. Instead, he leaves, and he goes on this fast for 40 days and 40 nights, and the first thing he does is head straight into the desert. I, I, this, this verse this week really changed my thought. I, I hope to really change your idea because when I think about this word desert, I think of some awful place, but the first, but, but desert here doesn't necessarily mean just sun and heat. In fact, the Greek word for desert is eremos. And eremos translated can mean any one of these things. It can mean desert, Desolated place, lonely place, deserted place, solitary place, or my personal favorite is quiet place. And so you can literally read that same scripture and say, now Jesus was led by the Spirit into the quiet place to be tempted by the devil. I want you to see this because it's the starting place for Jesus' ministry and mission. But it's an odd story, right? Like, it's, a, I, I, it's an odd story that Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Like, what's up 
with that. Like, I understand that, like, Jesus is going to have to eventually go toe-to-toe with the devil. Like, right, right that's his mission. He's, he's, he's here to defeat evil. But why does he have to go to the wilderness? And why does he have to go alone? And why, after 40 days of, of prayer and fasting, why does he do that? You know, for years, this verse and this story has not really made any sense to me because I thought the wilderness was a place of weakness for Jesus. I thought, man, this is Jesus at his weakest moment. And I read it, I read it this way. I'm, I was just like, well, isn't that just like the devil, you know, to, to come at us in our weakest moment on the, on the longest day of our week, you know, after we haven't had food for 40 days and 40 nights, right? Like, isn't that just like the devil to come at, at us at our worst time? But I realized this week, reading this, that I've had the story completely backwards. That the wilderness, the desert here for Jesus isn't a place of weakness. It's actually his place of strength. That Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness because it was only there that Jesus would be at the height of his spiritual power. It was only there that he would have the, it was only in the middle of the quiet place that he would have the power to defeat the devil. It was only after a month and a half of prayer, everyone, a month and a half of prayer and fasting in the quiet place that Jesus would even have the capacity to defeat the devil himself. And that's why over and over again, not just here at the start of Jesus's ministry, but as you'll see today, Jesus continues to go back to this place called the Oremos, this quiet place. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, we see Mark chapter 1 is, is Jesus' first day on the job in his public ministry. So Jesus, remember, he's, he's baptized, and then he goes to the desert and is tempted by the devil. And once he gets out of the desert, he, this is, he, Mark chapter 1 records his first day on the job. And honestly, Mark chapter 1 is, is, is arguably Jesus' busiest day during his ministry. Like his first day was probably his busiest day ever during ministry. And I want to walk you through that day. And I want to show you what Jesus does on his busiest day. What does Jesus do on his busiest day? Look at Mark chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 21. It says this. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue and he began to teach. So Jesus starts his day in the morning and he begins to teach others. And I don't know how many of you in here, how many of you in here this morning, maybe you're a teacher or you're in the teaching profession. Anybody in here in the teaching profession? Yeah, several of you. Let me ask you this. When you teach and when you get done teaching, how do you feel? Exhausted, right? I mean, many, like I, I teach once a week, everybody. And once I'm done teaching, like, I am, like, spent, you know, like, like, I, I, like after two services, I, I'm done. And, and those of you who teach every day and teachers in our school system, in fact, it was actually Teacher Appreciation Week this week. And I think we ought to honor our teachers who teach every single week. Ain't that awesome? And I'm telling you, those of you who are teachers, you, you understand that when you teach and you're teaching all day, like, when you get home, like, like you are spent. And this is what Jesus was doing. And not only was Jesus doing this, but honestly, it was kind of like Jesus, Jesus was in a very tough environment 
To me, a tough environment would be like a first grade classroom, right? Like, I, like this is basically what Jesus is trying to teach new things, things that people have never heard before. He's trying to teach them. He's trying to teach these things to them. And these people are against him. They don't like what he has to say. And so he has this very difficult job of doing this. And here's what we know. So, so there were people that didn't like it, but then there were also people who were amazed at his teaching. So as he was teaching, people were amazed because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. But in this instance, Jesus was teaching, and actually in the middle of his teaching here, and I don't have time to read all the verse to you, but if you want to go study Mark chapter 1, I'd encourage you to do that this week. But what happens here is in the middle of Jesus' teaching, there's this man that stands up. There's a, there's a demon-possessed man that jumps up, and he interrupts Jesus. And he, and he starts, he has this whole huge interruption right in the middle of class, basically. And what does Jesus do? I, I was thinking, and we'll, we'll see what Jesus does, but I was thinking, like, man, I've kind of been there before. Like, for, I don't know if you know this or not, but for a few years, I was a youth pastor, and uh, dealing with 6th through 12th graders, can I tell you, that, that can be a job in its own. And, and, uh, and so you, <laughs> every week as a youth pastor, you know, I, I, I had a message that I just thought was just the bomb.com, right? Like, I just thought that this was like, this was going to speak to every youth's heart and every youth was going to accept Jesus that night, you know. And so, I mean, I was very, I, I was very serious about my position. And so, I, I mean, I, I would preach my heart out every night at youth nights. And uh, one youth night, there was, there was this boy that just would not let up. I mean, like he was squirming all around. And, and finally, he was standing up and he's like jumping up and down, you know, like, and he's like, Pastor Noah, Pastor Noah, Pastor Noah, Pastor Noah. You know what I'm talking about? And it's just like, and I'm like, I'm looking at my volunteers, like somebody go set this kid down right now. You know, like I'm preaching the word of God up here and he's going to listen. And <laughs> like somebody else take care of this, right? And, uh, and no one's stopping this kid. I mean, everybody's just kind of like, I mean, they're annoyed at him, but they don't want to do anything with him either. They're like, and so he's Pastor Noah, Pastor Noah, Pastor Noah. And, and finally he just disrupted the entire room so much. I, I you know, wh- what is it? You know, I stopped my message. Hey, what is it? Pastor Noah, I need to go to the bathroom. Right? And it's like, oh, man, I was just like, I was at the serious moment, right? In the message, I was like, oh, we're going to give Jesus our hearts today. And he's, Pastor Noah, i got to go to the bathroom. And I answered that kid. And what I, what I thought when I read this story this week is I should have done what Jesus did when he got interrupted. In fact, take a look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, be quiet. <laughs> and I thought, man, I need to be more like Jesus, you know? And... Uh, <laughs> Be quiet, little kid. You know, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, but that's what Jesus, just, Jesus said, be quiet. And, and come out of him. I, I mean, I, I literally probably should have looked at that kid and been like, there's a sugar demon in you, and you need to, like, come out. You know, <laughs> be quiet. <laughs> but I'm not Jesus, everyone. And so, uh, <laughs> and so we'll look. Here, here's the next verse. It says, the, the, the people, so, so the demon leaves this man. And so, so now Jesus has performed a miracle, and the people were so amazed that news about him spread all through the whole region of Galilee. And so, so everyone now wants Jesus' attention. And so Jesus finally gets done teaching, and so when Jesus is done teaching, you think, okay, he gets a break. So he walks from, from the synagogue to Peter's mom's house, which, by the way, historically is still there. It's really cool. 
But anyway, he walks from the synagogue to Peter's mom's house, which was right next door. And you think, okay, Jesus, after a long day of teaching, he finally gets a break. And someone goes, basically they say, Jesus, Peter's mom is sick. And you really need to go heal her. And so what does he do? Some of you parents, you, you, you really understand this, and especially you moms, you, you understand this. You've been there. You're like, you're, you're like I've, I've been there because you come home from a long day of work, and you come home to your kids, and, and one of your kids is like, Mom, I think I'm sick, right? I think I puked in the bathroom, right? And, and, like, and you've got to perform another miracle, right, when you get home. And that, that's just kind of that's how it works. And so this is what Jesus does. Jesus, of course, that heals Peter's mom. And you're like, okay, long day. Jesus is finally going to get a break from healing and teaching and, and casting out demons and all these different things. And, and what's the, the very next verse in Mark chapter 1, verse 32, it says, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town <laughs> gathered at the door. I mean, can you imagine? Picture this. You come home from the longest day in your life, like from work has been hard all day and it's just been a long day and the entire neighborhood shows up knocking at your door. Hey, Pastor Noah, <laughs> hey, 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 and that's what, the, that's what they're doing. I mean, this is Jesus. He's, he's been teaching all day long. He's had the longest day of his life and the whole, the whole town is there and they're like, and, he, and they want him to heal all these people who have all these <laughs> different diseases. And why does he do that? Why would Jesus even begin to do that? I think it's because Jesus loves people that much that he would even turn his attention to them. But I tell you this story because have you ever had a day like that? Where like it just never ends. Like I had a, we had a long day at work and then we went home and it's like the whole neighborhood's knocking on the door needing something from us. I think we've all had a day like that that's just been one thing right after another. And so what do we do? What do we do? I think Jesus shows us what we do. Look at verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. This is the very next verse, by the way, after he heals all these people. Very early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house, and he went off to a solitary place. By the way, this word solitary, again, is the word eremos, the same word that we read in the desert, right? He went to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, this was the model of Jesus, now, if I was Jesus, I would have thought, you know, Jesus, it's time to sleep in. You've had a long day, right? So sleep in, you know, maybe do a light run in the morning and brunch with your disciples, right? And, uh, <laughs> right, it, it just, but, but instead, Jesus wakes up very early in the morning, and he goes out the door, and he goes to the quiet place. In fact, to, to clarify this story, to give you an idea of where we are, Jesus first went to the quiet place for a month and a half, everyone. So he's in the quiet place for 40 days, and he comes back to do some work for one, one day of busy activity, and then he heads straight back to that same quiet place. Think about that for just a moment. moment. You know what that means? That means the quiet place for Jesus wasn't just a one-time thing. It was this ongoing life rhythm that he was spending time in the quiet place. And what you see throughout scripture is that every day, this is Jesus's model. And can I just tell you, in the midst of our crazy world, I think we need the same thing. Every day, 
go to our quiet place, the place where it's you and God, the place where it's you and Jesus. I mean, if Jesus can do it every day, come on, somebody. I, 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 think, I think it's our responsibility as well. In fact, I want to show you a few other examples because this is just one story. But in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, it says this. It says, then because so many people were coming and going, this is another busy day of Jesus' ministry, that they didn't even have a chance to eat. Have you ever had one of those days where like, you're like so busy that you don't even eat? Now, that's a rare occasion for me, everyone. I plan my, I, I plan my day around lunch and dinner. And, uh, but so, sometimes, every once in a while, I've had a busy day where, where I don't eat. Maybe you've had a busy day where you don't eat. And, uh, and look at what Jesus, look at what happens. It says, he said to them, Jesus says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place, which by the word is the same Greek word, eremos, right? Same word, come with me to the quiet place and get some rest. What is Jesus saying? Translation here, Jesus is saying basically what you really need isn't a night out on the town. Like you, what you really need isn't like a beer or go to the movies or anything like that. Like what you really need is some time away with me. But to do that, you've got to get away from the town and the busyness of people. You've got to spend some time with me. And so look at what happens. So Jesus says, okay, we're going we're gonna to go away to the quiet place with his disciples. And so they went away by themselves, and they went in a boat to a solitary place. They're rainbows again, the same Greek word. And they went into the solitary place. Now, doesn't that sound nice? I mean, just some, like, time alone with Jesus. Spend some time with Jesus. But unfortunately, look at what happens here. That's not how this story goes. Look at the very next verse. So they're finally going to get some quiet time, and look at what happens. But there's a lot of people, there's many who saw them leaving, and they recognized Jesus, they recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns, and they got there ahead of them. They beat Jesus to where he was going. Like, this is how popular Jesus is. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Why? Because he says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. And by this time, it's very late in the day. You know, I bring you this story because I really love the realism of this story in Jesus' life. Because, you know, there, aren't there times when what you really need in life is just some time alone? And especially some time alone with Jesus? But what happens most of the time? I mean, honestly... People, right? <laughs> people happen. Like you set aside some time. And if you were here last week, I talked to you about setting aside 24 hours for a Sabbath. And maybe, maybe you went home this week and you, you, like, you set aside some time for the Sabbath. Or maybe you just set aside some time to pray or, or to get close with God. But then you get the text from your boss. And like there's a minor work crisis at work, right? And it, like it needs to be solved. Or maybe, maybe someone in your family had a bad day. And, and two hours later, that person is still crying. And you know, like you're, you're, you're trying to cheer them up. Like maybe for you, there's thousands of people banging down your door, asking you to heal them, right? And uh, because they believe you're the coming Messiah, right? Just normal everyday kind of stuff, right? And, uh, but whatever it is for you, there's all this stuff that happens. Like you schedule a time in the quiet place and all of a sudden people get in the way and you just can't find time to rest. And if that's you, I want you to know that you're in good company because that's where Jesus even found himself many times. But again, I want you to know that this is not the end of the story. In fact, this story 
leads us into a very famous story where a, a boy's little backpack with, uh, with, with some, a few loaves and a few fish end up feeding 5,000 people. <laughs> Jesus ends up feeding 5,000 people here. And after he does that, we read this, after he does all that ministry, look at what Jesus does. It says, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethesda. And while he, how, while he dismissed the crowd, and then after leaving them, so he sends his disciples out on a boat, Jesus leaves the crowd, and he went up on a mountainside to pray. And the scripture says later that night, he was alone on the land. You know, I used to read the ending of this story and think, wow, Jesus is so spiritual. He's up all night praying. Like, like wow. And that's, that's exactly what he was doing. But I want you to notice why Jesus was up all night praying. Because this is the only time that Jesus knew that he was going to have a chance to be alone in the quiet place. And he didn't want to miss that quiet place. In fact, he was so busy during that day that he literally didn't have a moment all day long. And so he literally sends like his, 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 his disciples away. He sends them away on the boat. And he stays up by himself all night on the mountainside. You know why? Because he knew that time alone with his father was so much more important than even sleep itself. That he was not going to miss his time in the quiet place. And I'll give you one more example, all right? In the book of Luke, then we'll wrap this thing up. In the book of Luke, nine different times, nine different times we see Jesus go to the quiet place. And can I tell you, when you see any kind of repetition like that, especially nine different times, it's kind of unheard of in the Bible, you need to understand that when you see that repetition, it's very important. And nine different times we see Jesus go to the quiet place. And look at what Luke chapter 22 Verse 39, it says, Jesus went, I love this verse. This is my favorite verse in Luke. Jesus went as usual, everybody, as usual to the Mount of Olives, which, by the way, was his quiet place, and his disciples followed him. Do you know that the busier and the more demand that Jesus had, the more famous, if you want to call it that, the more famous Jesus became, the more often he'd withdraw and go to the quiet place. The more often he would go to his quiet place. And I tell you that because usually for us, it's exactly the opposite. You know, the busier we get, as we get, as we get busier and busier, for most of us, the quiet place is actually the first thing to go. And we don't have time to spend with God anymore. That it, like, like the first thing we lose is the time that we need to spend with God in the quiet, to pray, to read his, to read his word, to intentionally kind of let our souls catch up to what's going on in our world. And in our seasons of busyness, what we need is more time in the quiet place, not less. And Jesus recognized that, but many of us, we do the exact opposite. And I know all of us, we have excuses in this room for why we don't. You know, I'm, 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 I work full time, or I have a very demanding job, or I do all this stuff, and, and I'm not an extrovert, or I'm, or I'm an extrovert, and I just like people. I don't like time in the quiet place. Or maybe, maybe for you, you're like, I have ADHD. Like, I just, I just can't sit still, you know, like... And would you just stop for a minute and think, think about this. And this is what, let these words just speak to you this morning. That Jesus needed time in the quiet place. Like the son of God, Jesus, needed time in the quiet place. 
don't you think (laughs) that you might need it too? And you say, well, well, what what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do with all the busyness and distraction? Well, Jesus modeled for us that the remedy for our hurried, distracted lives is a daily, quiet time with God. In fact, the biblical word for quiet time is just the word solitude. But solitude, I want you to understand that this word has often been misunderstood, especially in the church world. I need, you need to understand that solitude does not mean isolation. That when I talk about solitude, it is, it is not isolation. In fact, solitude and isolation, those are two things that are worlds apart. In fact, I'll explain it to you like this. Solitude is relational, meaning that you, you're spending time with God. And when you're in solitude, you're actually being filled up. You're not feeling lonely. Instead, you're being filled up. Isolation is what's lonely. And many of us, this is what we experience. That we, 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 we are isolated from the world, and we fill our time with everything but God. And we're drained. And you know when you're drained, you put a target on your back for the enemy. When you're isolated, man, that's when he can do some work in you. But solitude and isolation, they're very different things. And you say, well, Pastor Noah, but I come to church. But, like, I, shouldn't I just get filled up at church? And, and that's right. And I hope, I, I hope you do. And you do. You come to church. Sometimes you come to church every once in a while. <laughs> some of y'all, you come every week. Some of y'all, you come once a month. Some of y'all, Christmas and Easter, you know. And, I, I, and that's, that's, that's fine. But you're like, well, Pastor Noah, but I come to church. And every time you do, don't you get filled up? Absolutely. But Jesus modeled that you need something more than just what you get at church. That you need something every day to connect with him. And that if you don't connect with God, can I tell you, you'll never hear from God or you'll never see the way that God sees, which means that you won't do what God wants you to do in every area of your life. And so you're like, well, Pastor Noah, how do I do that? Well, in the next five minutes, because I'm going to wrap this up real quick, I'm going to give you really quick what to do. In fact, this is just my practice. In fact, if you've been around City Hope for a little while, You've seen these things that I call the first 15. In fact, I, I think I, I live and die by these things. Like if somebody would ask me, how do I get the solitude in my life? I, I always tell them the first thing is I would do is the first 15. You say, well, I don't know how to do this. Well, the first 15, first 15 minutes of your, of your day, I want to invite you to do this. Three things, five minutes apiece. The first one is this, is that would you just consider spending five minutes in the word of God? Something very simple. Now, what I do is I read the one-year Bible every day in the morning. The one-year, the one-year Bible. The one-year Bible is about a 15-minute read. If you don't have time for that, just read the New Testament part. Read the Old Testament part. Read the Psalm. Read the Proverb. Spend five minutes in the Word. Not only that, but then spend five minutes in worship. Just play a worship song. Like, this is the easiest part. You don't even have to do anything. Like, just hit, hit play on a worship song. You know, it is amazing to me how one worship song can begin to like soothe like the the beast that I feel like is inside of me often. You know what I mean? Like I just wake up kind of stressed out already. Like I wake up already behind and it's amazing what a worship song can do. Some of y'all, you came in here like that today. Like you came in and like, like you kind of got your butt kicked this week and like your feathers were kind of ruffled. Maybe you were fighting with the kids on the way in. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it, what it was for you. But then when you got to your seat and you heard a song about Jesus, all of a sudden, 
that, that, that beast that's on the inside of you, all of a sudden it, it kind of calmed that beast on the inside of you. That's what worship can do. And do it in the morning like that. And then here's the last one here is five minutes in prayer. So you're, you're going to five minutes in the word, five minutes in worship, and five minutes in prayer. And I promise you, in five minutes, you will not run out of stuff to say. And you say, well, Pastor Noah, I don't even know what to pray. Listen, two things. I'd invite you, if you don't know how to pray, two things, do these two things. And I promise you this will take you five minutes. First of all, thank God for what he's already given you. I, I, it ought to take you an hour to do that, everybody. I mean, it ought to take you all day to thank God. And second, then give him your request because we've all got them. <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing. It's the first thing all of us think. You know, like we, we, we got stuff to do. But I promise you, you can spend five minutes just thanking God for what you've already got and then give him your request. And I promise you it'll go probably longer than five minutes. But enjoy that time in prayer. And can I tell you that, that when you develop that relationship with God, it'll begin to change you from the inside. In fact, can I just tell you this, that your relationship with God, I believe, is no different than any other relationship that you have in your life. You know what it takes to develop a relationship in your life? It takes time together. Like you've got to spend time together. Like, what would happen in my marriage if Emily and I were never alone together? I promise you, if, if we never had any time in the private to share our deepest, darkest secrets, to share our thoughts with each other, our dreams, our fears, like if we were just, if we never had any alone time together, like our marriage would suffer, if not die. And, that's, and you know that because it's happened with every relationship that you've ever had in your life. That some of you, you've had a relationship with someone and maybe, maybe it was a close friend at one time and maybe the, that close friend moved away or you were physically apart. You know how hard it is to keep in touch with people who are not, you're not together with, who you don't have some time with, who you don't have some alone time with? I promise you those relationships often suffer. And the same thing is true in your relationship with God. And can I tell you, it's important to your own soul. But you say, well, well, Pastor Noah, but I already do that. <laughs> I, I've done, I, I do this five, five, and five. I, I've heard you teach on this before. But, but why am I still not hearing from God? Well, I believe it's because of this. It's because the noise of our modern world is making us deaf to the voice of God. And so some of you, you're practicing the solitude part. And you're, you're cracking open your Bible at dawn and, and you're praying and you're getting the five, five, and five done. But you don't do this very word during it. You don't have any silence. And can I tell you, I'm the, I'm the same way. There's so often that I can, I, I, I've got a devotional on my phone. I pick up the devotional and I read it on my phone. But you know what I've also got going? I've got the TV going on the news. You know, I'm, I'm, making, I'm making coffee or I'm doing something else. You know, I'm, I'm getting some more chocolate milk in the morning, honestly. And uh, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on. And I'm like, okay, I'll just do this and five minutes in prayer. And, and there's noise and there's distraction all around. And can I tell you, it's important to pair the solitude with silence. And obviously, you know what silence is. There's two different dimensions of silence. There's external and internal External silence, I think, is pretty self-explanatory to you that, hey, just turn off the TV or the, the, your, you take out your headphones or even, whatever you even just got going in the background, just turn it off. Like external noise, it's very easy to quiet. 
But internal noise, I want to also encourage you, stop the internal noise. And if you're like me, you know that that's a whole other animal. <laughs> like it's hard to turn off your mind. Or, and I'm not, I, like just to turn off the thoughts that you, what you need to do during the day. But I'm telling you, when you silence that noise in your mind, that's the kind of silence that I'm talking to you about. The type of silence that when you silence both. When all the noise, all the busyness in your life is gone. And I'm convinced that the noise has actually made us deaf to what God has for us. In fact, Scripture says that God speaks in a still, small voice. How are you ever going to hear that voice when you've got a thousand things running next to you? And many of you, the excuse for not spending time with God is just, hey, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. I just can't spend time with God. And can I just, I just want to call your bluff on that today. Because that's an absolute lie. Listen, you're not too busy. You make time for the things that matter to you the most. I, I, you, you make that time. And there is nothing, can I just tell you, there is nothing more important than you spending time with the God who created you, with the God who loved you, with the God who spent time with you here on this earth, with the God who died on a cross for you. There is nothing more important than spending time with him every day. And you make that time for everyone else. And I'm just, I just, I'm just challenging you that you can do that today. And so what's the challenge? I just, would you just commit today to spending some time with God in the quiet place, in the Aramos, right? Spend some time with him. In fact, today, I just want to do an exercise that I think will help you experience that. And so since I have your attention captivated and I've got about three minutes left with you, what we're going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a verse and I'm just going to ask you to sit here in some silence. And I just want you to ask God that as I, as I read this verse, would you just ask God right there in your seat, right there on your own, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me in this moment? Would you do that? Would you just close your eyes, bow your heads all over this room? Listen, you're going to feel kind of uncomfortable, but that's okay. You're going to feel uncomfortable because it's silence. But would you just ask, God, what are you saying to me? Here's the verse. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. It says this. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. And do you need a real rest this morning? The verse goes on to say, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, but keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly.
Can I just ask you, I'm going to give you just a few moments in silence. What is God speaking to you today? What is he speaking to you today? Would you just ask him that question? And don't you need more time like that in your life? Just some time with God to let his word just sink into your heart. So that's my challenge to you today. I mean, I say we bring back the quiet time. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, right? Maybe coffee, chair by the window, right? Wherever you, wherever it's best for you to just take some time to breathe. Read a psalm, a proverb, or something in the Gospels. I mean, hear God's voice. Take some time to just sit and rest. And I'm going to start my, I'm going to start my day in the quiet time. And I hope you will too. Would you close your eyes, bow your heads, let's pray. Lord, we just love you. God, I thank you for the silence and the solitude. And Lord, I just ask that you would just help each and every one of us to recognize that need in our life. Lord, the need to spend more time with you. Jesus, we know and we clearly see in scripture that you spent time in the quiet place. And so Lord, even if you need the quiet time, we need it too. And so would you help strengthen us, Lord? Would you help us to push away the things in our world that distract us? And Lord, would you help us to spend more time with you? Because Lord, ultimately, I think every single one of us want what we've read in that scripture, that we would love to live free and Lord, to live light. And Lord, so many of us are not, not there. Lord, we're hurting and we're suffering and we're full of anxiety. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we spend time in your quiet place, that you would relieve that from us, Lord, that you would help us to live that free and light life when we spend our time right next to you, Jesus. And so, so Lord, help us make time for the important things in life. Lord, help us to recognize the importance of this principle. And, Lord, help us to, uh, help us to practice it. Not just here, not just now, but Lord, every day as we go home, I pray that we would be able to spend just a little bit more time with you. Lord, we love you. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hey, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're in this room today, 
and you're here and you say that you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, can I tell you, Jesus can do the same thing uh, that he, he did 2,000 years ago. He can still perform a miracle in your life. And the awesome thing about our God today is that the Bible says that when you believe in him, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, that you can be saved. And man, by asking that and by accepting that today, man, you're starting a big process in your life where God will begin to transform you from the inside out. And we never end a service without giving you this opportunity. So if that's you in this room, you say, I need to pray that prayer. I need to accept Jesus. With everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed, would you just pray this after me? In fact, church, because we all believe it, would you just repeat this after me? Would you say this? Say, just, just say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Say this and mean it. Say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Would you give it up for all the people who pray that prayer?